2: Every area of Kansas City has its own unique story. We've talked about many of those in the past right here on this podcast. Today, we look at an area of Kansas City that almost didn't happen and then almost disappeared. It's called Hickman Mills. Well, I have to be honest with you on this uh, month's topic, Diane. Hickman Mills. I'm reading your lovely article and reading all about Hickman Mills, and I'm like, does everything take forever in this town to get done? Because it sure seems like back in the 1800s, I'm reading your article, it took 15 years for people to start plotting land. I mean, it, yeah. it really took a long time to get anything going in this part of the country, even back in the 18.
3: 1800s, huh? It was a little disorganized. I'm not going to say anything. I mean, you know, government starts with the government, and then just goes downhill from there. Yeah, I mean, the the way that the area settled, especially in southern Jackson County, was delayed because of kind of a like I, I'll say a story that has a little bit of a myth to it. I'm not really sure if it's true. I want to believe it because it's fun. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, usually, you know, legal settlement started in Missouri in 1821. And so you have in Missouri, you're going to, of course, have the settlement occur more on the St. Louis side. And then of course, builds up on the Kansas City side, if you will, on the Western side. But the area where Hickman Mills is, which was also the area where Martin City is, um, an edge of Raytown, really Waldo, most of Waldo, is called Washington Township. And and well, it used to be, it's not anymore, of course. And Washington Township was considered one of the lost townships because the story goes that in order to settle land, you have to plat it out, obviously. Otherwise, you don't know what your legal description is. And so the government sends a surveyor. He's, you know, somewhere along the Blue River, probably. Loses his field notes, goes back to the government and says, no one wants to live here anyway. Don't worry about this area. And it's like, wait, what? So it wasn't legal to settle the land because it hadn't been platted out. That's the story. But it is true that the area around Hickman Mills, uh, Grandview, South Kansas City in general, was not legally settled until 1843. It delays it like 15 to 20 years. Crazy. Yeah, it,
2: it, it really is. And, and what I find so interesting about Hickman Mills and, and really some of the stuff we've talked about over the last mm-hmm. couple of months, the mill's a pretty big deal here in the in, in the Midwest. Like if you set up oh, a yeah. mill, man, you are rocking and rolling and ready to go. And you can build your town. You can build your city. Yep. You can build houses. You basically own the place when you own the mill
3: yeah, that's almost like getting a new quick trip or something. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) it's more convenient. Yes. A a mill is a huge deal back in the day because I mean, think about it. It, it, These people that would have chosen to settle, first of all, they got to be hard asses. Let's be real. Um, Because you're going to go like some of the earliest settlers in Southern Jackson County, this guy, John Bartleson, he settles right near the Cass County line. He lives off hominy and potatoes. Like, there's nothing there. So if you want to build something, you're going to have to actually hand hewn, of course, logs. And it's easier if you have a sawmill. So as areas started to develop, that's where you really get to see where settlements starting to happen is when you have a grist mill, a sawmill, or a water mill, depending on what kind of mill you're you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see in the area of independence. And of course, independence was going to be the first gateway, if you will, on the Santa Fe Trail and the three trails. So Independence sees growth first, which is kind of an interesting thing because we Hickman Mills, which everybody's heard of Hickman Mills if you grew up in the area. Hickman Mills, the guy who really started the mill, didn't even really live in the area that long. But namesake that's what happens is you get, you know, a name sticks and it sticks with an area, even though the guy really was more known in independent.
2: Yeah, and, and I want to get into Edward Hickman and how he ended up here yeah. because, you know, he just up and left Kentucky threw a bag right. on his sh- shoulder and like six weeks later, it took him, mm-hmm. I don't know, on horseback or foot or however he got out here, yeah. comes comes out here. But really, you're right. He didn't spend much time here. He just kind of yep. like basically came, built a mill, went to Colorado, came back with one arm and called yeah. it a day. <laughs> I mean, it's really a like a, a bizarre story. And because he created that mill, which creates jobs, which creates houses, which creates mm-hmm. a city, hey man, you get it named after you.
3: Yeah. And that's the thing. And Hickman and the Hickman family, actually, there is a lot of uh, provenance in independence. So to be fair, you know, they're known for more than just a mill, if you will. But, you know, the guy takes a risk, as you said, he grows up uh, in Kentucky. Of course, you know, there's a shocker. A lot of
2: people in this part of the country, though, originally, Mm -hmm. it seems like came from Kentucky. I mean, like, I guess word got back home that this was the place to be or what? (laughs)
3: Well, I mean, you got to think that's also why we have such a connection to Daniel Boone. So part of the reason is that you get that early settlement in Kentucky. Those guys are coming from Virginia. Um, and then when land, when land's gone, land's gone. Mm-hmm. And so it's time if you if you're on the the lower end of the totem pole, if you will, and you don't have a lot of money, especially if you're young, it's going to be easier to uproot your family and families came in groups. And I think that's important to realize is that the more I do research, the more I realize like they're all intermarried, but how many came together. So you get area, you know, so the area of, of this city of our city on this side is Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee. Those are the top states for sure, where people came from, Kentucky in our area, for mm-hmm. sure. Now, Kansas is going to be different because of the way that Kansas was settled. But in general, yeah, these guys, I mean, by the time Edwin Hickman, and he's an, you know, like you said, he's a pretty interesting character born in 1819. At 12 years old, he's already left home and he's moved to the big city of Frankfurt. And he's working, you know, learning the, uh, the business of saddle and harness making. And so by that time he's about 20, 21 years old and he left September 1st, 1840. We have a lot of information on Edwin Hick- Hickman specifically because his uh, family ended up writing a history of Jackson County, Missouri. Well, of course, you're going to know a lot about your family. So it's real detailed, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. So he comes, like you said, it takes him about six weeks to get here. He lands in independence. I love this guy, like pretty much left school at 12, but apparently he was smart enough to be a school teacher because they gave him a job doing that. So he's a school teacher in independence. He ends up marrying a lady, 19 year old um, named Catherine Oldham. Um, Oldham is a very well-known family name in the independence area. And then in spring of 1847 he sees the business and the need for a mill so he buys land outside of just like northeast of independence where fairmont park is today and so people in that area would know where that is um he builds a sawmill and it's successful because what do you do what do you need a sawmill for for building everything everything yeah and so that was a huge industry but what happened was as our history shows is that independence didn't become as popular after Westport landing happened. So when you could, you could literally go down the river a little bit further and to the West, you cut some of your journey down and then you can go from Westport landing at the foot of grand Avenue in Kansas city, the I mean future of Kansas city, and then go straight South three miles and, and land in Westport and get your goods there. So there was a problem. Independence started losing business. The grist mill wasn't doing, or his sawmill wasn't doing as much business. So he kind of, you know, he had to close it up. I mean, it was time to find some, an area that needed us needed that type of business. So he looked to the South and there was a mill Watts mill, which we've talked about Watts mill. Mm-hmm. The Watts mill was a totally different type of mill. I mean, this is this, we're talking, uh, the, the sawmill in grist mill is going to be actually for lumber and Watts mill is really for grain. So you have two different types of industry anyway. So he sees the business that's coming down that area and he's like, well, I'll I'll just put a a mill here. It's not too far from the Santa Fe trail. So he buys some land from uh, Sydney Barnes. Um, He was uh, an early settler with his family. Um, His area where he lived was 87th and Gregory Boulevard. It's a park now. Um, cave spring, if you've never been there, Bob, you like to walk around with the girls Mm -hmm. You go out there. It's really cool because they do have some remnants of the pioneer, if you will. Um, and so it was known as Barnes enclosure. So he lived there. He owned some land where Hickman mills would be and Hickman built a mill. And you know, what ends up happening when people build mills is people gather where there's a mill. That's how you meet your neighbors. So there's no churches. There's very few structures. So you're going to, it ends up being a gathering place. So it becomes known as Hickman's mill. Uh So the area became known as Hickman's mill. It was never a town, which I think people are probably sad to to find out. It was never a legal like town where they settled and they had, you know, different plots of land and, you know, everybody, it wasn't like that. Right. But it did have an interesting history. So after he moves there, he also donates a, a one acre of land to Bethlehem church of Christ Uh, It's now the Hickman Mills Community Christian Church. So of course, if you're going to already go for your milling, you might as well build a church and people gather there also. Um, He ended up uh, loaning out money to people, which was a normal thing. He didn't have banks down in the middle of nowhere. So he started loaning money to his friends. And what happened to a lot of people in 1857, there was a panic. Uh, The market had been inundated by the gold rush, the California gold rush. And so- they had overvalued essentially currency and he lost everything. So, as you said before, <laughs> he packs up and he goes mining in Colorado, sells his land, goes mining in Colorado and, and sends his family up to independence. And then when the Civil War breaks out, he's like, "I'm gonna join the army." And then he ends up losing his arm, and that's what happened.
2: <laughs> and, and, but but it's it, it's really like like a bizarre story. Like what we're yeah. learning throughout this whole process of kind of looking at how we got to where we are today, and talking about all these little pockets mm-hmm. and areas of town that have now all been created and kind of really all merged into quote unquote Kansas City, obviously. Mm-hmm. But you you've got you say you know he left Independence and went south, and he he went south yeah. to like 103rd Street. Like we're not talking like he went south to you know. Yeah. Texas or Oklahoma or someplace like that. But back in that day, independence to where Hickman Mills is today. Is that a far journey? Is that considered leaving the nest and going away?
3: That's pretty far. I mean, it's far enough that, like I said before, if you're building a church that establishes a lot of an idea, because that means now you're going to still see your family in independence. Yeah. But you're talking about a 16 mile probably journey and you don't have a car. Right. (laughs) So things are a little slower. Um, and in the area where you were talking about, Hickman Mills is essentially at Redbridge Road at 49 Highway. Today right. is 49 Highway uh, or 71. You know, I still call it 71. Sure. But that area. I area, don't think
2: the 49's caught on quite it's yet. It's not. been like a decade no. at least that it's been 49, and nobody calls it that yet.
3: It's like calling it Bruce R. Watkins, like 71.
2: 71. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody says 71. Yeah
3: these names don't stick but hickman mills did you know it
2: did it it, back in the day it did but then this then the civil war again happens and you know again the more we we talk about how we get to where we are the more we we realize what an impact the civil war truly had here in kansas city and Mm -hmm. it was basically like all right if you're a southern sympathizer you got to get the hell out of town and then like everybody Mm -hmm. had to you know vanish basically again
3: yeah and in in The Hickman family was a pro, of course, that he fought for the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a. a the, well, if you a, have
2: Tennessee, Kentucky it, and Virginia right, folks they're, living they're, here, that uh, that's how you know people wonder, like, how did Missouri become part of the Confederacy and not like a union state, not a northern state from from where it's located. But when everybody that's moved here and all your, you know, your ancestors, if you will, are from Kentucky and Tennessee and yeah. Virginia, that's the way of life. That was the southern part of the country. And they brought that here.
3: And I think part of it is and we never actually officially left the Union, Missouri was like kind of that neutral state. But we always had slavery. And so, yeah, I mean, and even the people that these people, that get real mad about uh, the I'm not going to say the history, the early history of this area. It's Hickman had a slave. I'll be clear about that. And actually, the slave that worked with him at the mill up in outside of Independence um, was the same guy who built the first Independence Courthouse. I didn't even include that in the writing. I did. yeah. And he's a very, actually pretty well-known African-American and we actually know his name, which is shocking. But this area for the most part, a lot, especially in the Southern area, you had your slave owners, if you will, but most of the people that end up getting really angry and start the real border wars are going to be these young guys who don't have slaves, which is kind of interesting. Like, I, I think they just wanted to fight, honestly. I think they were just like, Oh, you're gonna do that to us i got you you know i mean i really think that's what it was like and this area of and especially and i'll just say jackson county specifically jackson county and it goes to lafayette and platte and clay and all that but really jackson county is the heart and soul of the Quantrills raiders and these guys and you got william we've talked to quantrell before but Quantrill, who is uh you know a in ohio like shouldn't have had any issues ends up siding, of course, with the Confederacy and becomes a a a total pain in the ass on the border. And he is he gets his gang together in 1861. What happens in Missouri, which is on this side of the state line, it is not happening really in St. Louis. St. Louis is a Union fortress, if you will. Is that this area, the people that were supporting these bushwhackers, these people living in the bush, if you will. Um, Quantrill's Raiders are all of these independent families living in the middle of nowhere for the most part. The people living around Hickman Mills, the people living around New Santa Fe, Martin City, these guys are Grandview. They are in even Blue Springs. These guys have the connections they need because if they're going to live in the bush at 20 years old, carrying around two Colt rifles and you know, sleeping in a tent, they still need food. Well, they're going to get the food from the women that are still at home. They're still going to be able to get the supplies that they need. And that became a serious thorn in the side on the western border. And what we have is General Ewing, who comes to the area and he takes over as the the main dude. And he, his his whole job is to control this bushwhacker situation on the on the western border. Get this under control. Yeah. And in Hickman Mills, they're crawling all over the place. I mean, Hickman mills is is mentioned in eighteen sixty one, December eighteen sixty one. Jenison, as in Jenison's Jayhawkers, go and burn part of the mill and some of the buildings around the town. So this is hitting and and they burn New Santa Fe in October 1861. This area was destroyed. And so you have, of course, we've talked about this before, an eye for an eye, people are going back and forth. So what Ewing does, and this is all happening um, at the same time, is they're going to establish military posts you know, so they can get their supplies Yeah. And in our area. And I'm going to speak in the general vicinity in our area. Of course, in Kansas, you got Fort Leavenworth, right? In Kansas City metro area, there are certain military posts that are selected. You have Hickman Mills, you have Pleasant Hill, you have Harrisonville, Kansas City and Independence. What's interesting about that is that those are all towns. But Hickman Mills wasn't a town, it was just a landmark. So that's another reason that that name stuck for so long is that it ends up being a union fortress during the civil war. And what they had done is there was this guy named Charles Jeffries, he's he's born in Belgium. The guy's just like this rich guy. He doesn't even really live in the area but he was investing in railroads. So it might've had something to do with railroads. He was from Philadelphia. He buys 3000 acres around the Hickman Mills area. And he builds 15 miles of sto- native stone fencing all around his, his fortress, if you will. And then he builds two mansions, 15 to 16 rooms per you know, place named Blythedale and, Hath- and Hawthorne. And they're named after Nathan- Nathaniel Hawthorne's 1852 book called The Blythedale Romance. And so he named it Hawthorne after the author and then course yeah. So he, he built these mansions. These, those are superstructures in 1860. Well, they're superstructures
2: today, like 15 bedroom places. You, you hear about that today. You're like, who's living in something like that? That's like, that's even bigger than like Mission Hills.
3: It's huge. I mean, they're huge houses. So I don't understand. There's no real record that explains why, but I, I do know the locations. Hawthorne was at the Southwest corner of 107th and Blue Ridge Boulevard. And Blydeville is basically where Hickman Mills was off Redbridge Road. If you're on Redbridge Road and you're heading east off of 4971 or whatever, um, it would be just over by the fire station near the creek would be. And so that was that's where Blydeville was in, in, in Hawthorne. I actually got a letter after I wrote this article mm-hmm. from a guy who grew up on Hawthorne. He goes, the house wasn't there. And he, he wrote me this lovely letter. And it said, um, but the barn was still there. And he had no idea until he read my article. He goes, it had to have been the barn for the Jeffreys farm. I'm like, that is the coolest thing ever.
2: Yeah. So
3: the whole area. So, so this is perfect. The union has now two mansions, an enclosed area, which is perfect. They were using the union army was even using the Hickman Mills church, the Bethlehem church as a stable. How nice of that. Wow. right?
2: And, yeah. and this is all in Missouri, which is oh, not yeah. really a Union part of the country at that time.
3: But they had to control the area. The reason that they chose Pickman Mills partially so is because it was full of bushwhackers. They're trying to cut them off at the source. And so, what happens in 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 this you know, I, I it's a pretty complicated time period. But in June eighteen sixty three, Ewing decides. That's the general. He decides he's going to arrest women and children. Well, that goes over real well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Real well. Yeah. And of course, that leads to a prison collapse that which then leads to the Lawrence massacre. And I mean, It, it, it just August twenty fifth, 1863. Then because of the Lawrence massacre, Quantrill and his buddies going in there and killing 160 and 190 bo- uh, men and boys, they have to issue an order that basically says, get the hell out because we can't control the border. These women, these, these children, these old men are supporting the rebels and we have to get them out unless you sign an oath to the, uh, a loyalty oath to the union. Well, most of the guys there, he had their name on the blacklist. They're like, get out. You know, that's what happened to John McCoy. Some of them are pioneers in Kansas city. And so essentially they make them sign the loyalty oath. If you did not sign that oath, you had to leave evacuate uh-huh. within 15 days. The reason Hickman Mills is important here is because Hickman Mills, those two houses, Hawthorne and Blythesdale end up being where they made the people that were allowed to stay They all had to stay in those houses So they so, had to
2: stay on basically Union territory yeah. while they were still here
3: yep At so you
2: kind of you were kind of held hostage back then yep. if you didn't leave Was that that order number 11 that kind of came out yeah. where they said this is what it's going to be and, and you're going to follow it and that kind of helped Hickman Mills kind of I don't know grow as a town grow as an area though because people were there now.
3: Well, and they all stayed in that area. I mean, you got to remember though, especially in Cass County, most people that were evacuated during this period never went back. And the other thing is, is by the time they went back, there wasn't anything there because they burned everything down. So Lydell and Hawthorne, those were just the places that they made them stay, which just so happens to be in the heart of what we now would call, you know, Hickman Mills.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: So that's, I mean, a pretty intense history and and for for a town that never really existed to be fair. You know, um, but how it, come
2: it never really carried on though? Like how come it, it just kind of died out? Like, why didn't it it grow from there? Usually you send people somewhere, they make their home or whatever. People move somewhere. They make their home. It grows and grows and grows. It seems like this kind of went the opposite way. Like as soon as the war was over, people like, screw this. I'm out.
3: Sort of to a point. Um, we got to remember the mill was damaged. So mm-hmm. the mill is now inoperable for the most part, sell off the equipment. Hickman had sold off his equipment before he had left, um, really the answer to that is the railroad. I always say that. It's always the railroad. Railroad either kills you or makes you. It created towns, it it destroyed towns. Created Grandview, created cr- created a, uh, you know, uh Martin City. Mm-hmm. Destroyed New Santa Fe. Didn't destroy, I mean, it destroyed Hickman Mills. But what the what they did have going for them is that in 1868 they opened a post office there. So Hickman Mills becomes well, and I should say Hickman's Mill, which is what it was known as Hickman's Mill. That's the appropriate term, like Watts Mill. Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes Hickman Mills, because when they went to register for the post office, the um, guy in Washington, DC made a mistake and inverted it. And it became Hickman Mills, which is how the name stuck. So it, it ends up sticking around because those locals and those people that did come back to the area, and there were quite a few of them, who came back to the area, they now had a post office there. So now you have another reason to go there. The church is still there too. Don't forget. Yeah. So they rebuilt the church. And by the way, when they took down Hickman mills, which was, or Hickman's mill, which is kind of a cool thing. When they took it down in um, 1867, uh, the lumber was used to build uh, a new barn on Solomon Young's farm, which of course is that where, uh, you know, uh, that's, Harry Truman's grandfather and uh, the, unfortunately, the barn burned in 1960s. There's a theme here. Um, they needed a fire station before they needed a post office,
2: but, no doubt. you know what
3: I mean? But, uh, but anyway, it, so the, but there's some lumber that still survives from Hickman Mills, which is kind of cool. Um, one of them is uh, was made into a gavel for the South Kansas City Chamber of Commerce, which kind of goes into the next piece of this history. But um, so the area ends up having that post office, they rebuild their church in 1930 so they tear down their frame church which is a beautiful church I don't know why they always do these things and because we
2: didn't appreciate old things back then because back then it maybe it rotted maybe it wasn't where it is and it was still kind of recent like you don't really appreciate history until you're very far removed know. from history you're you right know?
3: I and mean, Kansas City really sucks at it, too, appreciating history. So essentially, they, they build a new church. But what's cool is they took the millstone, the original millstone from Hickman Mills, and it's in the basement of the church. <laughs> still is. Still is. Still, yeah. Still is. And I mean, nobody can get it out of there. It's too damn heavy. So it, and it, the whole town, I say the town, the area. So, so as the land was worth more because you have a church there, you had the mill there. So it started to be sold off into smaller little pieces. And mm-hmm. when that gets, it, it's still not a town. But it's sold off into little pieces. So then, you know, you got your merchant that moves in and opens his tailor shop, and then you got your feed store, and then you have a confectionery. That would have been really cool back then, um, a confectionery. And then you have, um, you know, a, a carpenter living in town. So it becomes kind of a little mini hamlet. It's that's the best word for it is a hamlet. And people did stick around. That's why if you go to the area today. Um, you'll notice there's like little structures that do still exist. Um, the original the original Hickman Mills Community Bank, the mm-hmm. building still stands. It's a, it's like a beauty shop now or something. But the area it, it it really what also sealed the deal, which is super not surprising, is suburban development. So as track housing in the 1950s, Hickman Mills, that area of Ruskin becomes a hot. I mean, they're going to throw up houses quicker than with slab, as we know, slab. Um, no basements and all of this. So they end up buying up that area. So the in 1950s, there was an interest in renewing the area and, and, and revitalizing it. And so they had their own um, uh, chamber of commerce and they were trying to revitalize it. And then all this housing gets built. And so the focus wasn't, the focus goes to strip shopping centers yeah, and right. not revitalizing a small little hamlet. And that essentially is why Hickman mills, the the south the the chamber of commerce became the south kansas city chamber of commerce it has its beginnings in hickman mills but as hickman mills started building up those little remnants those little pieces that we still have left of the evidence of blydale and half and hawthorne and these the mill itself uh the last of the wall that that none of that walls left is it nope how does a
2: 15 mile rock wall just get totally obliterated
3: gets it gets in the gets in the way and also, you can use it for other things. Yeah. So in 1953, the last of it, the stone fencing, was torn down, uh, just north of Ruskin High School. So where Ruskin High School is, is was part of this huge compound, the whole area. Mm-hmm. So that's why I always am like, I always tell like, if you own a house in Hickman Mills, like get a metal detector. God knows what you could find. Um, but I mean, that's what happens. Is these areas, what is meant to be a good thing. which is going to be income, obviously, to be able to have settlement and and subdivisions built, ends up ruining some of the older style, the older things that still existed in the area. But what is, um, you know, probably helped a lot was that the area, when it did develop, they did decide they had Hickman Mills, you know, they had, they named a school. Uh And Hickman Mills became still kind of the post office. The South Patrol used to be in Hickman Mills. So that area still did kind of maintain some of its original charm, if you will. In the 1970s, they did erect a monument, a marker, next to the fire station. Don't, don't blink, you'll miss it, I promise you. But it's right next to the fire station. I, I didn't even know it existed until four years ago, and you know how much I love history. Sure. And so, I mean, like, that tells you, like, don't blink, but it's there. And the Chamber of Commerce put that marker up. It was one of the first things they did together was put that marker up to commemorate all the people that of course, Order 11, that were relocated there. And what's interesting too, I wish there was a marker for the old mill, but if you're looking at the fire station, you're essentially looking right where the mill would have been. Pretty cool.
2: Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's, it's just really amazing to me how these little pockets of town started and didn't really form anything really big, but kind of a compass where we are and the name stuck and the area is stuck. And, and, you know, it's it's kind of just fun to look back and see, you know, because I'm sure there's a lot of people that maybe even live in Hickman Mills. Like, why the hell is it called that, you know, or Watts Absolutely. Mill or all, all that stuff that we've kind of talked about, all these little pockets in Washington Township and all this stuff. It really does give you a better appreciation and understanding of, of where we are today here in 2020 extended.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and I think one of the early—I'll say um, one of the early uh, historians of the area was a guy named Harvey Kemper, and I'm I'm connected with his his son, mm-hmm. so that's that's helpful. I'll tell you that. Um, and Harvey Kemper he grew up right off Redbridge Road, and. He wrote an entire uh, paper about the history of the area and how the school district even formed. By the way, Hickman Mills was the first uh, consolidated school district in the entire state of Missouri. No kidding! I had no that's idea. That's why it's that's why it's that's why it's Hick and Mills One. Ah, it. yeah. Right. So anyway, but he when he he wrote about these pioneers, and I love this because this tells you you got to remember these rough and tumble guys. It all starts with these guys that were willing to take such a risk, move away from home into the middle of nowhere to start a new life and he wrote they were a hardy and thrifty class of people who were undaunted by hardships and danger."
2: it's amazing how every little area of kansas city has its own unique story no matter how big or no matter how small everybody has a story to share including hickman mills i hope you enjoyed our look inside the little town in south kansas city